if you're new to this whole world of baby led weaning and starting solid foods, you might still be on the fence as to whether this approach is going to work for you. And if that's the case, I want to send you my free feeding guide called Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby? This is a guide that contains a decision tree map that you can work your way through to determine if this is the right approach for you guys and then when it's time to start. Grab your copy of Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby on my website at babyledweaning.co slash resources. I was doing my breakfast dishes this morning, turned the garbage disposal on, and then heard that terrible noise when you know something is in the disposal, but like you can totally tell the damage has already been done. Sure enough, it was an easy peasy tiny spoon, totally shredded, which if I've learned anything about these baby lead weaning spoons from Easy Peasy is that the garbage disposal and the dog both love them. And I was bummed because it's one of my favorite colors that they make, the light gray line, which is called pewter. But my garbage disposal disaster, I guess it came at just the right time because Easy Peasy is having their annual Mother's Day sale from this Friday to Sunday, so May 10th to 12th. You can get 20% off all of the Easy Peasy feeding gear with the affiliate discount code BLWMOM on orders of $50 or more. So this is a great time to stock up at 20% off because my regular Easy Peasy code is usually only for 10% off. So this bump up to 20% off is nice, but it's just for three days. So head to easypeasyfun.com to grab tiny spoons, their tiny cups, and the best suction mats and bowls for baby lead weaning. They have a really cool new bundle maker on their website if you want to group or piece a few items together or If you just don't want to think about it, then just grab one of the Easy Peasy First Foods sets. It has everything you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods with baby led weaning. That code is BLWMOM for 20% off Easy Peasy orders of $50 or more now through Sunday, May 12th at easypeasyfun.com. And happy Mother's Day to you. And what I loved about analyzing the sodium limits for babies around the world is that nobody in any other country has their act together about, quote unquote, how much sodium a baby can have. And so my rule of thumb that I've been sharing since 2016, which is we look for less than 100 milligrams of sodium per serving in a food that you're about to feed your baby is based on two assumptions. Number one, that those portion sizes that you see on the Nutrition Facts panel, those are reflective of adult portion sizes, right? Because there's no such things as baby portion sizes. And I know your baby is amazing, but they're not going to eat a half a cup of kidney beans. And on top of that, we have to take into account the fact that the packaged and processed foods, those are sometimes foods. A lot of the foods that we're making for our baby are wholesome, natural, intact foods that contain no sodium. So on occasion, having a food that has less than 100 milligrams of sodium that came out of a package, for me, as far as I'm concerned, as a dietitian and a mom, is totally fine. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. When you are at the grocery store, and you're deciding and picking out which foods you're going to offer to your baby, do you read food labels? Like, do you flip the package or the can or the product over and scan that nutrition facts panel looking for particular nutrients? And if you do, which nutrients are you looking at? Because there's a lot of information on the nutrition facts panel, and you've probably realized that there's no such thing as an infant portion size that's listed. So how do you even interpret the information on the nutrition facts panel? In this episode, we're going to do a high-level label reading 101, what to look for in foods that you offer your baby. So I'm a registered dietitian. I'm also a college nutrition professor, and I've taught college nutrition for 15 years at this point. And every introduction to nutrition science course that I teach, I do 
both graduate and undergraduate. But at the undergraduate level, like the first nutrition class you're taking in the intro week, we spend about three hours analyzing the nutrition facts panel and learning everything about what the FDA says about what has to be on the label, what doesn't, how do you interpret it, the rounding rules, you know, the rules for ingredient listing. Like if you're in the food space, then you totally understand the nutrition facts panel. And then for the rest of the world, they don't use that information. Okay. We know from data that your typical American consumer does not utilize the information on the nutrition facts panel to make healthful food decisions. But there's like a lot of info in there, except I know you don't have three hours to go through it. So the impetus for this episode came from a message that I got from a mom named Savannah. So Savannah wrote to me and said, can you please break down the nutrition facts? You should teach about all of the nutrition facts labels on the foods at the grocery store that moms need to know. Because before I started baby led weaning, this is Savannah talking, she said, I never even glanced at nutrition facts. Now I'm always looking, except I'm not 100% confident on what I'm looking for. Some topics to cover in that episode, bullet point, I love Savannah. She basically outlined the episode for me. What is fiber? What are saturated versus unsaturated fats? What things should I watch out for? What's good slash bad for babies? How much iron is good? What are the brands required to report or not required to report? What does less than one gram mean? Do I ignore the percent DV? That's a percent daily value info since I'm feeding a baby. I loved all of these questions. And I was like, you know what? It is totally confusing. And yet at the end of the day, I mean, I'm sure it'd be great if you all like grew all your food from scratch in your home gardens and never utilized any packaged foods with nutrition facts panels on them. But in real life, we go to the store and we buy ingredients and foods that we work into age appropriate, developmentally appropriate ways that our babies can safely feed themselves. And I get it. You don't have three hours to decipher how to learn about a nutrition facts panel. So I want to boil it down to the three areas on the nutrition facts panel that I look when I'm deciding whether or not this is a food I'm going to feed to a baby. Let's start with sugar. Okay, sugar used to be super confusing. So prior to 2020, there was a line on the nutrition facts panel. It just said sugars, and it included both naturally occurring sugars and added sugars. This was probably the most aggravating thing about label rating as a dietitian because it was just a way for the manufacturers to hide behind, oh, this is our proprietary information. We don't want to share our exact recipes. But consumers didn't get to know, hey, how much of the sugar in that product is natural versus how much is added? And I'll give you a perfect example. Some of these yogurts that are marketed to kids. So just as some history, in 2016, the Nutrition Facts Panel in the U.S. was updated to include grams of added sugar. And there were a couple of other changes that were made as well, like some of the formatting changed and the micronutrients that were mandated to be displayed changed. But as a registered dietitian, especially one working in the infant feeding space, the thing I was most excited about and continue to be most excited about is that finally manufacturers had to divulge the number of grams of added sugar. So that inclusion of added sugars that was intended to help consumers make more informed choices about the foods that they eat and then raise awareness about the amount of added sugar that processed foods have and really try to curb that. So even though the proposals started in 2016, the updated nutrition facts panel became mandatory for most food manufacturers in January of 2020. So in the pre-2020 era, like if you had a yogurt, for example, that's marketed to kids and it would say X number of grams of sugar, okay, you would have to be a dietitian to know that one cup slash eight ounces of yogurt has 12 grams of carbohydrate that come from lactose, which is a naturally occurring milk sugar. So if a product said it had 32 grams of sugar in the eight ounce container, I would do the mental math in my head. Okay, 32 grams of sugar minus the fact that I know 12 of those grams are naturally occurring in one cup of yogurt. So there's 20 grams of added sugar and 20 grams of added sugar 
divided by four grams of sugar per teaspoon means there's five teaspoons of sugar in this yogurt product that that manufacturer says is for my kids. And here's the deal. We don't want kids to have any added sugar. And for babies, we keep it to zero grams of added sugar. So the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends zero grams of added sugar for children zero to two. So this is a super easy place for you to start. If you turn a package over and it says anything except zero grams of added sugar, then don't offer it to your baby, okay? Because we want our babies to be getting nutrition and learning how to eat foods that have naturally occurring nutrients in them. And naturally occurring sugar is fine, okay? Right, the carbohydrate that you find in some dairy foods. With cheese, through the processing, the carb has been removed. That's why like, you know, people on low-carb diets eat cheese, okay? But other dairy products like milk and yogurt products, they have naturally occurring carbohydrate that comes from the natural milk sugar lactose. And if you look at starchy foods or whole grains, like all the 20 different starchy foods, on our 100 first foods list, they're great sources of carbohydrate for babies. Most of them are whole grain. Okay, these are quote unquote sugars. Okay, this is what your body, this is what the baby's body converts to sugar and uses it as fuel to help that growing body continue to grow and thrive, but it's not added sugars. So the added sugars are what we want to stay away from. And thankfully, because of the updated nutrition facts panel, we can now skip right to the grams of added sugar line and we're looking for zero grams. If you are confused about added sugars or you want to learn more, in episode 309, I did a whole deep dive on added sugars and which ones to avoid for baby lead weaning. But the answer is really all of them. But we talk a little bit about the nuances and the differences between it. We're looking for zero grams of added sugar because your baby needs naturally occurring sources of sugar and not added sugars. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. The second area where I go to look on the Nutrition Facts panel is to the sodium line. So sodium is a mineral. It's important, right? We don't say, oh, zero milligrams of sodium because like sodium is an electrolyte and it's responsible for lots of important things and nerve transmission in your body, like uh, making your heart beat. So we don't go to zero, okay? But there's no hard and fast rules about quote unquote, how much sodium a baby can have. And we've explored this a lot on the podcast. One of my favorite episodes Lauren on my team makes fun of me because she says, you always say that that's like the most downloaded episode, but I'm going to tell you this one was not very well received by the community. And yet it was still one of my favorite episodes. Episode 253, our intern at the time and I did a deep dive on sodium limits for babies around the world. Usually when we do sodium stuff, it like the downloads go crazy. This one did not. I don't know if you guys don't care about other countries, but I loved the fact that nobody else has their act together around the world with deciding how many milligrams of sodium a day a baby should have. And it's hard because 
sodium is an essential nutrient, right? Like you do need to get some of it from the foods that you eat and drink. And if you look, you know, breast milk has sodium. Or when you move your baby to cow's milk, for example, sometimes parents are surprised to say, gosh, one cup of cow's milk has 120 milligrams of sodium. Like where is it all coming from? Well, in a lot of foods, there's naturally occurring sources of sodium. And we talk about that, especially on this podcast in the context of like shellfish and fish, which are two separate allergenic food categories, they're naturally high mineral foods, meaning that they're going to contain higher levels of certain minerals, including sodium. It's not added sodium. So the language that I use is that we want to avoid excessive sodium, right? Because you don't want to train your baby's taste buds to expect the salt and not learn how to taste the flavors of the food. So in episode 33, we did another kind of deep dive on salt. And I shared three easy ways to minimize sodium for your baby. Like if you've never paid attention to salt in foods, when you go to start solid foods with your baby, take a scan at the sodium levels. Now people are like, okay, well, what are you looking for? My rule of thumb, and again, this is not a published guideline with regards to sodium for babies, but I am comfortable with if a product says it has less than 100 milligrams of sodium per serving, I'm comfortable offering that to my baby. And that's a good benchmark, I think, for most parents to start at. Because like if you go, for example, in the canned food aisle, you can find a can of kidney beans. Let's say we make this tomato kidney bean pie for baby led weaning in our program. And we show parents how to make it. It's quite easy. And it relies on a can of kidney beans. And you can buy three different types of kidney beans at my typical grocery store down the street. Regular kidney beans, which have 360 milligrams of salt per half cup serving. You can buy reduced sodium ones that have somewhere in the like 150 to 200 range, or you can buy no added salt, which have 15 milligrams of sodium per serving. Okay. We're talking about 15 to like the mid 350s. You want to choose the one that has less than 100 milligrams of sodium. So we're looking for no added salt and no salt options. And I hear silly things and see it on social media. Oh, babies can't have canned foods. Some canned foods are very high in salt. Salt is a very cheap preservative. It's the cheapest, right? But also there's many, many brands and varieties. And even within the brand, they have a line that's no added salt. So just read your labels and look for if it's less than 100 milligrams of sodium. And the reason why I created that guideline, and I've been recommending products with 100 milligrams of sodium or less for babies, for baby led weaning since 2016. I was like, well, why? How did you come up with that? Well, two things come to mind. Take into account that the portion size that's listed on the package is not representative of what your baby's actually going to eat. Like a portion size of kidney beans is a half a cup. I know your baby's awesome, but they're not going to eat a half a cup of kidney beans. And on top of that, I also take into consideration that most of the foods that I'm offering my baby, when possible, are wholesome, full, intact ingredient foods that are not packaged or processed foods. But sometimes we rely on canned or frozen or processed slash packaged foods to offer or to help our baby learn how to eat new foods. And that's totally fine. Just keep an eye on the sodium and try to keep it to less than 100 milligrams per serving if you can. So there's sugar at zero grams of added sugar per serving for babies. Sodium, a good rule of thumb, is less than 100 milligrams of sodium per serving. And then iron is the third area where I'm always looking at on the nutrition facts panel. Now, keeping in mind that there are categories of foods such as fruits and vegetables where those foods contain almost no iron. So you can't go out and find a high iron fruit, a high iron vegetable. Those aren't the food categories where we want our babies getting iron from. Iron comes from protein foods, both animal and plant foods, as well as some of the starchy foods, especially if we're prioritizing the whole grains. And then on our allergenic foods list, many of those foods, because they are protein foods, because that's the potentially allergenic part of the food, they would also have iron in them. So part of kind of the beauty of my five-step feeding framework, where we introduce five new foods to your baby per week, is that we're pulling from each of the categories, right? On Monday, we do a new fruit. On Tuesday, we do a new vegetable. On Wednesday, we do a new starchy food. On Thursday, we do a new protein food. On Friday, we do a new allergenic food. 
as you sequence through that every week, introducing your baby to five new foods, one from each of the different five food groups, you're naturally pulling foods with different textures, with different flavor profiles, and with different nutrient composition, meaning that some of those foods will have iron. And some of the other foods, like the fruits and the vegetables, they don't have iron, but guess what? They have vitamin C. And vitamin C helps your baby's body absorb iron from the other iron-containing foods that they're learning how to eat. So it's all kind of working in unison there. So we don't over-prioritize or pay homage to one nutrient, like protein is the best thing ever. No, it's not. Your baby needs small amounts of all of the different macronutrients, which are proteins, fats, and carbs, and the micronutrients, which include the vitamins and the minerals, and having a variety of foods and helping your baby achieve diet diversity will ensure that they're getting all of that nutrition. So I know that iron makes you guys freak out. And I know that because when we do iron episodes, much like sodium, for the most part, people are like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I was asking. I was wondering. And one of my favorite episodes about iron that we did was episode 169. It's called Iron. Does my baby really need to eat 11 milligrams of iron per day? And I loved that episode because we really examined how scientists and nutrition researchers arrive at the 11 milligram dietary reference intake for babies seven to 12 months of age. And it's based on some pretty wild assumptions, like that babies don't eat meat. And we know that if your family eats animal foods, babies can learn how to eat meat. So I don't want you to be stressing about how many milligrams of iron your baby is eating because your baby can get enough iron from the foods that they're learning how to eat. And you've got this huge insurance policy called infant milk. So breast milk or formula is still continuing to provide nutrition, mainly iron, as well as other things, even while you're starting solid foods. So we introduce iron containing foods as part of the weaning diet, but I don't want you to stress out like, oh my gosh, at six months of age, my baby needs to be getting hundred percent of their iron from food. Cause that's just not true. And if you are stressed about iron, go listen to episode 137. That one was called iron. Can my baby get enough iron from baby led weaning foods? I talk about how, yes, they most certainly can. It doesn't happen overnight, but that's okay because it doesn't have to. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So what do I look for on the Nutrition Facts panel when it comes to iron? Well, if a food contains one milligram of iron, I consider that an iron food. We don't say it's high iron or high in iron or a good source of iron because there's actually different labeling requirements and rules as far as how the number of milligrams of a micronutrient stack up against the daily value to whether or not you can say it's good, high in, low in, et cetera. So I just call it an iron food. Also because the nutrition facts information and the percent daily value information on that nutrition facts panel that's reflective of adult needs. So we don't, you don't see them posted in the regular foods that you're buying at the grocery store for your baby. If you're buying special processed baby foods for your baby, then sometimes they will have a baby column, but it's not necessary. You can pretty much just ignore the percent daily value and know like, hey, I got to find some one milligram iron foods that my baby can eat. And a lot of the foods in the starchy foods category of our 100 first foods list, and most of the ones in the protein category have one milligram of iron or more. Okay, now your baby's not going to eat that whole portion size. That's understandable. But you, the parent, are getting in the habit 
of learning which foods contain iron and then teaching your baby how to safely eat those foods so that as they wean off of infant milk, that insurance policy kind of starts to go away, especially as we get close to the one-year mark when most of baby's nutrition can be coming from food and just a small amount comes from infant milk. At that point, great, because your baby already knows how to eat all of these different protein foods and starchy foods that do contain iron. So keep your eyes peeled for one milligram of iron or more. That's a good iron food, but no, it's not going to happen in every food because food categories like fruits and vegetables, those are low iron foods and that's okay. Not all foods have to contain iron, but you do have to include iron-containing foods in your baby's weaning diet. So to summarize, the three places where my eyeballs are going to go if I've got a split second in the grocery store to analyze whether or not I'm feeding this food to the baby, added sugars, I want to see zero grams. Sodium, I'm looking for less than 100 milligrams per serving. And iron, I love me a one milligram of iron food on occasion, knowing that not all foods can have that much iron and that's okay. And some have a lot more. If you want to grab a copy of that 100 first foods list so you can pick out the high iron protein and starchy and allergenic foods that your baby can learn how to eat, also that happen to be low in sodium with no added sugar, you can grab a copy of my 100 first foods list. It's free to everybody who takes my free online video workshop called Baby Led Weaning for Beginners. I just re-recorded the whole thing. I love this workshop. It's about 75 minutes long at this point now. We just added in a lot of videos to kind of give you the visual of what the safe food preparation methods are so that you can be making these nutritionally appropriate foods in a safe manner. Because it doesn't matter like how quote unquote perfect the nutrition is. If you're not preparing the food safely, then your baby can't eat it. We talked about kidney beans in this episode. We don't offer intact kidney beans to early eaters in phase one of baby led weaning. They don't have their pincer grasp. They can't pick them up but I can show you how to work them into the tomato kidney bean pie recipe, which you can cut into strips about the size of your adult pinky finger. Your baby can pick it up and feed it to themselves. If you want to learn more all about this stuff and get the 100 First Foods list, sign up for that workshop. It's at babyledweaning.co or you can click the link that's where you're listening to this podcast episode. It's in the description. It'll also be on the show notes along with some of those other episodes that I mentioned if you want to go back and review more about added sugars, about sodium and about iron. Those show notes will be linked up for you at blwpodcast.com forward slash 351. Thank you so much to our partners at Airwave Media. If you guys like podcasts that feature food and science and using your brain, check out some of the podcasts from Airwave Media. We're online at blwpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. And thank you to Savannah P. Thanks, Savannah, for sending me all the ideas for this episode. See you guys next time. friends. Are you looking for a new podcast? Maybe something you can share with your littles? Something that has some storytelling in it? Well, then look no further. We have Storytime with Philip and Mommy, where my son and I sit and discuss all the great books that you might love while we read them. So Little Golden Books, Berenstain Bears, and even the new classics like Bluey. We sit down, we read, we discuss, and we have so much fun doing it. Come and join us. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.